Have you ever fallen in love in a dream? When I was a boy, having come of the age of interest to the opposite sex, I fell in love with an apparition of my sleeping imagination. Her name was Autumn. I still remember it now. It was not a sexual dream, but a real romance, presumably backed by the whole flood of oxytocin and dopamine native to such experiences. It was real as far as that goes. Real enough, I guess, that I can even recall the girl's name, 30 years hence, though I don't suppose I've ever told anybody about it until now. What happens in the brain while it dreams is not very different from what would happen if the real waking circumstances matched those of the dream experience. I knew for that little while what it was to fall in love. It was beautiful, and in the end heartbreaking, to lose upon waking. I guess that was my first heartbreak as well. A lucid dream is one in which the dreamer, for at least part of the time, is aware that he is dreaming. These experiences range from brief discoveries that one is having a dream, which is so surprising that the dreamer is aroused from sleep, to continuous experiences in which the dreamer is able to substantially influence or even control the events which occur. Something like half of people have had a lucid dream at some point in their life. The number of regular lucid dreamers is much lower. For those who don't have lucid dreams, apparently it is possible to learn to have them. Techniques for doing this involve consistently asking yourself whether you are dreaming in regular waking life. You ask yourself, what have I just been doing? What am I planning to do now? You can pick up a book and read from it. These daily checks form a habit of finding out whether or not you are dreaming. This way you will exhibit these habits within dreams and you will notice things which don't add up. You can notice the lapses of memory which occur when you are dreaming. You can notice how difficult it is to read something or to operate certain kinds of devices. By such means you can become aware that you are indeed dreaming. I can imagine this being quite exciting to experience, though I don't really have the intention of making a practice out of it. Think of the possibilities. To fall in love, like I did that night with Autumn, just for that, without the added capacity to fly or walk through walls or be rich without limit, for that alone it would be incredible. In any case, it's interesting to consider what the brain is doing during these states and whether we can learn anything about consciousness from lucid dream states. In a book titled When Brains Dream, Antonio Zadra and Robert Stickgold write, quote, It's clear that the eye movements recorded during REM sleep can correspond to where people subsequently report they were looking during specific activities in their dream, such as which, when climbing a ladder, upward eye movements, or watching a game of tennis, repetitive side-to-side -side eye movements. In the mid to late 1970s, these correspondences led Keith Hearn at the University of Hull and Liverpool in England and Stephen Labarge at Stanford University to independently come up with the same intriguing idea. Maybe lucid dreamers could mark the exact time they became lucid in a dream by making a series of agreed-upon eye movements, such as repeatedly looking far to the left and then far to the right, that would stand out on laboratory recordings of the electrooculogram, or EOG. Their hunch turned to be spot-on. Alan Worsley, a skilled lucid dreamer and participant in Hearn's initial investigations, is credited with being the first lucid dreamer to signal when he became lucid in a dream. The original paper tracing of his ocular signals showing his eyes going left, right, left, right during a lucid dream in April 1975, along with simultaneous EEG and EMG recordings, 
proving that he was indeed asleep, are on prominent display in London's Science Museum. Since then, dozens of laboratory studies have shown that lucid dreamers can communicate with researchers during periods of lucidity while in REM sleep by using predetermined eye movement signals similar to the voluntary left-right-left-right eye movements just described. This method provides incontrovertible evidence of lucid dreaming, and it also allows lucid dreamers to timestamp the exact moment they start and finish specific tasks in their dreams, unquote. According to the author, studies using these methods have shown that the physiological changes occurring during lucid dreaming are pretty much the same as those seen during similar activities while a subject is awake. They write, quote, When brains dream lucidly, Frontal regions that are associated with self-reflective awareness during waking, but that are normally turned off during REM sleep, become more active. In fact, the communication among these frontal regions during lucid dreaming is increased to levels similar to those seen in waking. But does becoming lucid lead to these changes in brain activity, or vice versa? At least one study suggests that it's the changes in brain activity that cause lucidity to develop. The study led by Benjamin Baird in Giulio Tononi's laboratory at the University of Wisconsin-Madison found that compared to a matched control group of non-lucid dreamers, individuals who reported at least three or four lucid dreams a week showed increased activity in frontal brain regions even when they were awake, resting with their eyes open. These results suggest that the frontal increases in brain activity associated with lucid dreaming are present in lucid dreamers whether awake or asleep and that this increased brain activity is facilitating lucidity in REM sleep, unquote. Despite this, efforts to use exogenous stimulation by, for example, transcranial magnetic stimulation haven't been very effective in inducing lucid dreams. In my opinion, that might be due to uncertainty about just which circuits should be targeted. Think about what these studies mean. First, they put to bed no pun intended, the notion that dream consciousness is just memories implanted at the moment of waking. These experiences, when they are lucid, can have their timing and duration marked out by the researcher's clock. I'd like to see if the duration of a dream episode, according to the dreamer's subjective experience, is objectively longer or shorter than the same episode playing out while awake. I'd also like to know the limits of what can and can't be done in dreams, and why. I'm often frustrated in dreams by the lapses in memory, for example. I will suddenly become aware that I have some important thing to do, and I'll be overwhelmed and confused as I try to accomplish it against all odds. Then some new realization will be added. Oh no, I forget about such and such. Hell, a dream is like a difficult drug experience. Everything is confused and stressful. Probably that is not because of the dream's content. It's because the frontal cortex isn't working properly, so we have no control over our attention and cognition. The lucid dreamer has solved some of the confusion, but his cognitive abilities are still out of order. He is aware that he is dreaming, but nevertheless under the influence of something drug-like. Part of what is lacking, I would think, would be related to short-term or working memory. A person can normally hold about seven digits in mind at once, for example. If working memory mechanisms are not online, perhaps this number is only, say, two or three during an episode of REM sleep. If that's the case, could experiments be contrived to demonstrate it using lucid dreamers? The neurochemical distinctions between waking states and REM might hold a key. The following introductory passage is from a paper in Science Advances called Locus Ceruleus Norepinephrine Activity Mediate Sensory Evoked Awakenings from Sleep. Hannah Hyatt et al. write, quote, 
Wakefulness is supported by a number of subcortical wake-promoting neuromodulatory systems. Multiple studies established that levels of norepinephrine, serotonin, histamine, and hypocretin are high during wakefulness and low during both non-REM and REM sleep. Whereas acetylcholine levels and dopaminergic levels are high during both wakefulness and REM sleep and decrease during non-REM sleep. Recent studies established a causal relationship between neuromodulatory activity and awakenings. For example, optogenetic activation of hypocretin neurons in the lateral hypothalamus, noradrenergic neurons in the locus ceruleus, and dopaminergic neurons in the dorsal RAF nuclei increases the probability of sleep-to-wake transitions." Unquote. So dopamine and acetylcholine are working their magic during REM sleep, but not norepinephrine and serotonin. Probably these neurochemicals are important for attentional and working memory processes, especially norepinephrine. Both dopamine and norepinephrine are important for learning and memory. Maybe the absence of norepinephrine accounts for decreased capacity to read, do math, solve complex problems, and operate devices in the dream state. It's disconcerting to me that events in dreams tend to be intense and emotional, the kinds of things that should stick with you. If something extraordinary happened to me, something really embarrassing or terrifying, something monumental or adventurous, how could the memory of it so easily slip away? I often feel like I've just been dreaming when I awaken, but I can't put my finger on what it was. Weirdly, I might suddenly have a glimpse of it, and just as quickly as I think, oh yeah, now I remember, the memory is gone and I can't access it anymore. Obviously, there are some cognitive mechanisms which are not operational during REM sleep. There's a loss of function taking place, like being under the influence of a narcotic. Understanding this could be really important to the study of phenomenal consciousness and its neurological basis. The reason I think this is uh, that the characteristics of, of consciousness, as we know them, are necessarily based upon the form of human experience. So I've said that consciousness has this set of characteristics. One, it is a unified composition of contents. Consciousness always has content. Two, conscious contents are specific and meaningful. A certain sound is different from another sound. A certain thought or feeling is different from any other thought or feeling. Three, conscious contents exist from a point of view. Four, consciousness is temporally continuous. And five, consciousness is limited and coherent. At any given time, most things that could be conscious are not. If one or more of these features can be demonstrated to not occur in dream states, which we accept to be conscious states, then perhaps those missing features can be eliminated as essential. In other words, we can get closer to an understanding of primary consciousness. Continuity in time? I would argue that continuity in time is still there, but there is definitely an amnesia effect at play. Even severe amnesiacs have short, coherent experiences lasting as much as a minute. That qualifies as continuous for the purpose of describing consciousness. An important question is this, does the amnesia we experience when dreaming and when we awaken from dreams occur because relevant networks in the brain are being actively suppressed? If this is the case, the implication is that we are not really meant to remember our dreams. They serve some function in reorganizing the network or consolidating memory or in supporting associative learning, but it's only by accident that we come along on some of the adventures. A central thesis of this book by Zadra and Stittgold is that dreaming is a kind of memory processing which only occurs during sleep. The processing tries to extract new knowledge 
by exploring weak associations. In waking cognition, it is necessary to focus on the most obvious and strongest associations in order to take appropriate action. But in dreams, bizarre and unlikely associations can be played out in the network. Perhaps the experience of dreaming is just a side effect of this memory processing. In order to ensure that we do not take these dreams for real episodes, the brain is put into a state of amnesia. Mostly, this effectively suppresses memory, but on occasion, we remember the dream. Even then, though, the dream memory is strange, distant, like a movie we once saw, rather than something significant that just happened to us. Presumably, during studies with lucid dreamers, the subjects are woken up and asked what they've just been dreaming. Dream studies generally work that way, and subjects can usually tell you what they've been experiencing if you prompt them to do it right away. My question now is this. Does lucidity in dreaming cause the dreams to be more easily remembered? Do the experiences in lucid dreams register as more concrete and memorable? If not, then I think we can draw conclusions about dreams in general by utilizing lucid dreamers as subjects. But if so, if lucid dreams do not follow the same rules as regular dreams, then they may amount to some kind of hybrid between the brain in REM sleep and the brain awake. Zagran Strickgold explicitly say that reasoning is poor even in lucid dreaming. So possibly the lucid dream is no different than, than a typical one, and therefore we can make extrapolations from lucid dream studies to dreams of all kinds. I thought this next bit was interesting. Zagra and Stickgold have something to say about the nature of the people we meet in our dreams. They write, quote, Among the more fascinating aspects of dreams in general, and lucid dreams in particular, are the people we encounter in our internally generated dream worlds. Some people appear as one-dimensional extras in our dreams, but others have such a sense of realness about them that they elicit all kinds of reactions from us. Through their facial expressions, tone of voice, choice of words, emotional gestures, and overall behaviors and demeanor, dream figures can pull us into arguments, convince us of the necessity of helping them with some strange plan, make us leave a room in disgust, or fall madly in love with them. They can make us feel angry, scared, confused, or deeply aroused, but dream characters can also behave as if they experience their own distinct thoughts and feelings. They, too, can appear to be genuinely happy, fearful, or sad. Sometimes they even seem to know things that we don't. By intentionally asking dream figures specific questions, and monitoring their reactions, lucid dreamers have the unique ability to explore how their dreaming brain instantiates dream characters. In one fascinating study of dream characters' apparent mental abilities, the late Paul Tholey, a German researcher and Gestalt psychologist, had nine proficient lucid dreamers ask people in their dreams to perform specific tasks such as writing, drawing, coming up with a rhyme, or solving math problems. It turned out that the dream figures were willing to give these tasks a try, and some were surprisingly good at them, except for math, that is. When asked to solve even basic arithmetic problems, such as 3 times 4, dream characters typically struggled with finding an answer, although the dreamers did not. A second study similarly found that about two-thirds of dream characters' answers were wrong. Even more interesting, however, were some of the unusual answers and reactions noted by the lucid dreamers, when asked to solve a math problem, one dream character started to cry. Another ran away. In a handful of cases, dream characters acted like the question was overly personal or that the answers involved were either too subjective or important to be shared. Unquote. Dude, that's pretty weird. The whole experiment is weird. 
In effect, the researchers studied anthropomorphic phantoms in the dreamers' minds as if they were just naturally existing phenomena to be investigated. The difficulty of the dream characters with math, even to a greater extent than the dreamer, that's compelling. It's possible that the characters in the dream are composed of network activities outside of the integrated conscious substrate. In some sense, are these characters genuine outsiders to be interacted with? Anyway, I never thought to have Autumn do sums. Maybe if I had, she would have run away from me.